0: What's up and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside Pelicans.com writer Jim Meikenhofer. We're back in the Big Easy after another preseason win for the Pelicans yesterday as they defeated the San Antonio Spurs 123-114, improving to 4-0. And Jim, um, it's always nice to get preseason wins. I wish they would turn over to the regular season so we can start out the regular season 4-0 like we did last year. But... Overall, another solid comeback when it seems to be the theme of slow starts but comeback finishes in the second half.
1: Yes, 17-point deficit. I do think that it's become a theme of preseason and also something that they want to avoid in terms of not carrying over into the regular season, getting off to slow starts and having these double-digit deficits. But I do think that as, as, as great as it, as it is that they're 4-0 from preseason, that they haven't lost a game yet, Um, to me, the fact that there's been so many individual success stories, there's been so many guys that have played really well, um, guys that you had expectations for, but they've even exceeded those. Obviously we're going to talk to Andrew about Zion Williamson, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, there's a couple other guys like Frank Jackson, I think has played really well in that kind of closing role with Nikhil in the fourth quarter where he comes in and, and plays really well, shoots really well. Uh, but, but across the board, even Niccolo Melli to me yesterday was, was, uh, was a crucial part of them being able to win that game. Cause in the first half, it was like, they could Pelicans could not buy a basket, but he came in and ma- started making a few shots, kind of got them out of the, the rut that they were in. They were only down by 10 at halftime, which given how poorly they shot not the shocked. ball. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was like, okay, they're still in this. So, um. And obviously, three of the four guys that I just mentioned are brand new to the NBA. Melly is a veteran basketball player, but this is the first time he's played in the league. So, one of my biggest takeaways, and I know we have several days now before they get back on the court Friday against New York, but just <clears throat> some of the guys, the guys who this is the first time they've played against NBA competition with these rules. Um, are doing really well, and I think that's one of the most important parts of preseason when it starts. The
0: Andrew that he's talking about is Andrew Lopez, who covers now the NBA for ESPN. Will also be his home base will still be in New Orleans. He used to cover the Pelicans for the Times Picayune andola dot but now ESPN NBA reporter Andrew Lopez will actually join us in studio, give us his thoughts on this preseason and uh, Zion Williamson and Nikhil, as Jim mentioned, and kind of what to look forward to for Friday's game against the Knicks and that gives me that next point you talk about individual players stepping up and the theme that I've been noticing is six or seven players in double figures each game and I know you're probably thinking well Alvin's played a lot of guys but at the same time if you look at minutes for the like the first 10 guys it's not that much and yet they're still getting in double figures so I think what's impressed me the most is the balance of scoring that so many players are getting involved
1: definitely and this is something that Melly talked about after the San Antonio game I know to you guys on the air in his post-game interview, was that one of the really crucial elements for New Orleans to be as successful as they possibly can be this year is that they're going to need to get a lot of production from a lot of different guys. Obviously, we don't want to read too much into preseason, but the way Zion has played so far, it looks like he's going to be able to to put up some decent numbers scoring the ball. But, you know, Drew Holiday also has a, a track record of scoring, but if they can get you know six or seven guys to consistently produce, I think... You know they're going to have a lot better uh, chance to, to win games this year. And another thing, too, is um, I think Alvin Gentry's said a few times that he's if there is one disappointment from preseason um, or one of them, it's the pace hasn't been fast enough. So, man, if they can push the pace even more, who knows what kind of numbers this team will be capable of putting up. Our
0: key question of the day, we'll uh, ask Andrew Lopez the same thing, but I want to hear maybe your takeaway from this. I've asked it for every game, and I think it's only because it is preseason – and you're still trying to figure out some things, is that with Friday's game in New York, basically the last chance to kind of figure out rotations, which might not even be decided after Friday. You will have to decide it by next Tuesday, but what do you want to see, Jim, from this team on Friday against the Knicks?
1: Yeah, I think defensively is definitely one of the biggest things. I think so far, um, looking at some of the stats, they're allowing 40% by the opponent on three-pointers, which is way too high. Um, The Opponents are also shooting forty nine percent from the field, which again is is um, several percentage points above what you want it to be. So, defensively is going to be something that hopefully they can make some more strides on Friday against New York. And um, I, again, I go back to one of the things that Melly talked about. I, I like listening to him speak, by the way, just because I feel like he has a really good grasp of the kind of a lot of the team elements of basketball. Um, but one of the things that he mentioned of what he wanted to see in the New York, New York game was just continuing the chemistry, consin- continuing the cohesiveness. I, have, I, I haven't I have been um, – <clears throat> I've been pleased with the way that they've looked so far in terms of assists and sharing the ball and stuff like that. So um, I, I just – they want to keep – it's different to do it in scrimmages and practices and voluntary workouts than it is to, get, to do it in an NBA game. I know it's preseason, but there's a little bit more pressure, if you want to call it that. So – to be able to react on the fly and, and be able to just learn each other's tendencies more, I think that's another part of what they want to do Friday right against New York. As promised, joining us now in studio, Andrew
0: Lopez, ESPN NBA reporter. Man, you know, he's not too big time to join us in studio. Normally a lot of people just hop on the phone, but Andrew is gracious enough to join us here in Studio B. How the heck are you, my friend?
2: I'm, I'm doing good. Can you say my name in ESPN again?
0: ESPN NBA reporter Andrew Lopez. I just
2: love it. I just like hearing it. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. I just, I really like hearing it. So, it's pretty I cool. Gotta, I got to get used to
0: it. Well, we'll oh. start with that, though. So, how has your new role been? And kind of describe to the listeners what your new role is with ESPN and how that affects you covering the Pelicans.
2: Yeah. And then it's going to make a lot of fans happy because it is almost strictly covering the Pelicans. I do cover the NBA in a broader sense uh, with ESPN.com. So, doing, you know, Jim Jim, and I talked about this yesterday my name will pop up in power rankings on five on five questions things like that where I take a step back and look at the broader NBA uh, but as far as my day-to-day it's pretty much covering the Pelicans I'll be here every home game travel to certain road games uh, if, if I have to go someplace else I don't know yet but uh, for right now it's it's kind of strictly covering the Pels
0: so what does it say about the Pelicans and their outlook of this team that the fact that, you know, a couple years ago, there was a reporter here covering uh, the NBA in New Orleans. The fact that they brought you to do the same, what does it mean about the team and what people expect from them nationally?
2: Yeah. um, It says a lot about Zion Williams, I think (laughs) Um, there's our first Zion mentions. Should we mark each one? Two minutes into the, to the, to the podcast today, but no, it's, it, it tells you the excitement level around this team. And when you step back and you look at 30 national games, uh, on television this year, out of 82, you, you, four nationally televised preseason games. I yeah. mean, when was the last time there, there was a nationally televised preseason game? I don't
1: know if there's been four total combined over the uh, last 10 years, it, if you add them all up.
2: Yeah, so the fact that that's the level of excitement to this team, um, obviously it is a lot of Zion. It does help that you have Lonzo Ball uh, as well. Then you start looking into this roster. There is a lot of excitement around this team and the fact that uh, ESPN felt like they needed someone here to cover it. You know, uh, I thank them for it, but, um, you know, everything kind of kind of worked out. But it tells you the the, the national level uh, of excitement with these guys.
1: I mean, first off, I want to say I'm impressed, and I want to pat you on the back for being able to come into the office because I think if I was in your shoes, I would, especially on a day like today, I think it's supposed to be 85 maybe, that I, I'd be calling in from the pool, and I'd be saying, sorry, but I'm not. I'm not coming in because I'm going to be just – Getting some swimming in today. The pool is actually right outside of my door. It's
2: not. <laughs> See, that's even more impressive. It's not. It's not that far of a walk. Um,
1: but you know what? When I'm when I'm five minutes away and it's an off day, you know why not? Why there not come go. spend it with my friends,
2: Jim and Daniel?
1: <laughs> one thing I wanted to, wanted to ask you about. I mean, this was obvious. This was going to be coming. You you already referred to it, so you can add this to the the Zion counter. Ding. But um, do we have a ding? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to make it. That, <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll go in in the editing process. There we go. Yeah. Um, just I mean, what what's been your takeaway so far? I mean, obviously people had high expectations, but I mean, and, and obviously this has just been preseason, so the competition will be different and the circumstances will change here in about a week. But I mean, from what you've seen so far, I mean, what 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 have you just observed from what he's been able to do? I I didn't know that he could be this good, this quick. I, I did think it would
2: take a little bit more time. I thought we'd have more nights like the six of 13 performance, um, against the bulls. I mean, uh, against, uh, the preseason in opener
0: Atlanta,
2: Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I thought we'd have more nights like that rather yeah. than when he goes to the bulls, I was there for that. And it was 12 for 13. And then he follows that up with nine of 12. And then he follows that up with eight of them. And it's just like, I, I didn't expect him to be that good around the rim that quick. Um, You mentioned it on the broadcast yesterday. I asked ESPN Stats and Info, like, how much of this, because he he cuts to the rim and you see him finishing with these acrobatic style layups. He just kind Mm -hmm. of, the way he he moves his body and twerks his body. It's, I I just didn't expect that level of finishing this quick. I think of of those 25 shots when he was 21 of 25 um, in the Bulls in the Jazz game, uh, 18 of those shots were contested. He was 14 of 18 Mm -hmm. on contested shots. He, Rudy Gobert, the two-time reigning defensive player of the year, was the primary defender on six of his shots, uh, on six plays um, in that Jazz game. It was two fouls, one by Conley, one by Gobert. Two layups made, which he went through Gobert's chest. Mm-hmm. One miss over Gobert, and then they count this as a separate play, but on that miss, he goes around him, he catches the rebound, and he dunks it in. I didn't think he was going to be that good around the rim that quick. You kind of expected some of the other things, you know, jumping up between four guys and snatching offensive rebounds. Okay, that's that's just pure athleticism, but his touch around the rim has really impressed me so far early on.
1: You mentioned um some of his athleticism, which I think anyone a 5-year-old in the stands can yeah. see. But I mean, what did you, what did you think when you saw just from a observation standpoint when you saw the in the Utah game? He's going against Gobert, which you referenced a little bit, and Ed Davis. Yep. And it just seemed like he overwhelmed them. And I think, I'm not sure if people realize, like, these guys are really, these are, I mean, Gobert's one of the best interior defenders in the league. Ed Davis is probably one of the top elite yeah, ba- backup guys in terms of in the paint. So, I mean, that, that, what did you think of, what have you thought so far about just his, the combination of his size, quickness, and everything? It just seems like some of the, I think some of these, um, Biggs that he's going against are like what the heck am i going I, against here I, I do
2: think it's a little bit of that i think a little bit of it is Biggs maybe not realizing his the level of his athleticism quite yet i mean we got i mean i know we say De- gobert is a two-time defensive player of the year that that should be enough to kind of tell you how good he is but Derek favors who is now the starting center at, for for the pelicans who is a natural fit at center played the four in Utah because Rudy Gobert was that good. Yeah. That's how good Derek was, that he should have still been on the floor. And that's how good Rudy was, that he pushed another very, very good defender to the four. I do think some of it is them maybe not. Okay. I, we know he can dunk. We know he can jump. But the finishing around the rim, I just maybe don't know if they expected that just yet. So maybe, you know, he gets off to a hot start. Maybe he's he's 20-10 the first 10 games. And then... Teams start to kind of figure him out a little bit. They have some film on him,
1: but maybe he doesn't. Maybe maybe he just does this all year and he's just yeah. going yeah. through guys. What, what about Nikhil Alexander Walker? <laughs> I mean, I mean another seventeenth pick in the draft. We watched him play in summer league and we were like, this guy can play. But I mean, it just seems like he's also been a great story so far. Nikhil
2: preseason. may go down as one of those guys who, when you when you. Every time you bring him up, you're gonna bring up that he was the number seventeen pick in the mm-hmm. draft. Yeah. And you're gonna say X amount of teams passed on Nikhil Alexander Walker. Why? That that kind of seems to be. He has he has ultra efficient nights and he has not so efficient nights. We've kind of seen you saw that kind of um, against the Spurs. He yep. was what, four of thirteen, I yeah, think, shooting when, when he finished up, up for it in other ways. But he makes up for it in other ways. He had eight assists, he had five rebounds. He's going to impact the game in other ways. He struggled against Chicago. He was think like four of twelve uh, in that game, but I think at one point he was like o of seven or one of yeah. one of eight. Mm-hmm. Then he then he comes back and finishes with the, the big threes down the stretch. So um, even with that, I think he was still shooting what fifty one and fifty yeah, going, going into, into yesterday. Yep, going mm-hmm. into to yesterday's game, mm-hmm. he is. I, I think I said it from. I mean, in summer league, you kind of saw it. I, obviously the the, the twenty six point game. He's going to take somebody's minutes. I don't. I don't know who that is just yet. I don't know if Alvin Gentry knows who that is just yet. Nikhil is going to take someone's minutes, and he's going to have nights where he's seven of nine, and he's going to be and he could flirt with twenty points, and then he's going to have nights where he's two of eleven. I, I think there will be more nights where he is more efficient, but he is going to take someone's some veterans' minutes on this team by the way he plays
0: we're gonna get to that in just a second but going back to Zion and Nikhil real quick I feel like one of the things they have in common is how fearless they are you talk about Zion going to the rim but even Nikhil too you'll see him go up sometimes a little tough how congested it is in the paint where he goes up but the fact that you have guys that have only played in a handful of summer league games and four preseason games and they're not afraid to attack the rim no matter who's down there it's He's, he's very confident. Yeah. He's, he
2: is a very, very confident player. Going going back to media day, I think one of my favorite quotes at media day, um, when somebody asked David Griffin about, you know, Nikhil not playing or maybe not playing, and Griff was like, well, nobody's told Nikhil that, and I think he's going to be very upset to hear that he's not playing. Uh, yeah. And I think he plays like that on the court. He doesn't play in the uh, in the first half, in the ter- first two preseason games, and then comes out and Sets the court on fire for for the next for the the third and fourth quarter. He is he is really a fearless guy, and I don't think Zion has I don't think Zion knows what the word fear means. Only if no. like he's looking into somebody else's eyes and sees fear, like that's the only way he does it. There's <laughs> I, there's not a fear bone in his body. He just goes, and I think he expects to make every time he goes at the rim. I think he expects to make it, and I think one of the things that it's going to be interesting is how referees are going to officiate him. Does he get those calls at 285 pounds that he should be getting or if somebody fouls him and doesn't and they bounce off of him it, is it an offensive I think he's going to see a lot of those early as officials learn how to
0: to really officiate him kind of going forward and it's certainly going to be tough for them to officiate I can even tell in the San Antonio game it's yeah. like there's some calls where you're like I don't even know how you would call that so it's, just, it's something that they will have to adjust with but you mentioned Nikhil in the minutes that he might be taken away from someone and the guard depth at uh, for the Pelicans is just unbelievable because you know Alvin was talking about how we thought maybe through Game Four in our last preseason game that the rotations he'll kind yeah. of have an idea, <laughs> but <laughs> I think he has no idea and it's a good problem because every guard that we've seen has stepped up. Josh Hartz missed a game, um, we've seen Drew miss a game, JJ Reddick, but there's still times where I st- I don't know where. How many minutes these guys are going to play? It's a good problem to have, though.
2: It, it is a good problem to have. I think Alvin mentioned earlier, it's it's better than looking down at the end of the bench and thinking, I don't know who yeah. I'm putting in right now. Right. Uh, it, yeah. it, it is a lot better problem to have. And I remember, I think I asked him before they left for San Antonio, I was like, okay, you, you said these were the games. And he just kind of laughed. And he's like, I I don't know, man. Yeah. I I really don't know. I thought I knew, but I don't know. So you, you really, it's hard. I mean, obviously, you're going to start Lonzo and Drew. But then what do you do? Right. You, you, you have Nikhil. You have Josh Hart. Uh, you have Frank Jackson.
0: Who's been shooting well. You have uh, Etuan
2: Moore. You have J.J. Reddick. You have so many guys. Now, Etuan can play the three. J.J. can probably play the three. Nikhil could even probably play the three in some lineups. But it's hard to imagine a consistent rotation with, with all of those guys. And especially when Alvin says – You know, when you go into an irregular season game, you want a rotation of nine. You want a rotation of Mm -hmm. ten. I think your front court is settled with Zion Melly at the four. Derek Favors, Ja at the five. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's four. Now you got five guys to figure out. Yeah. Out of besides your starters, let's let's say it's six. Okay, your starters are Lonzo, Drew, Bi. You got to pick three Mm -hmm. of Nikhil, Frank, Josh Hart, Etuan. It, it, that's hard to me. I, I, I don't know how you you necessarily get that done. I'm glad I'm not paid the money that Alvin Gentry is being paid to to figure that out.
1: And and I don't blame you for this because this I do this all the time when I go through the list of guys. But you also didn't even mention my guy Kenrich, who oh, has yeah, been part yeah. of the. He's he's gonna play. I mean, he is kind of in between though because he's not a guard and he's not a big. So maybe some of the minutes at the three will come into place. Yeah. He can I th- probably
2: also snatch some some four at minutes at the four. As well. Yeah, sure.
1: Sure, But, but I, again, that's
2: another guy who played heavy minutes, was a starter last year, and brings all those little things that you want as a coach. He may not go out there and have, you know, 10, 12 points every night, but you're going to look at a Cambridge box score. I, I remember looking like at the end of it was, I think it was the end of the – at the preseason game the other night mm-hmm. uh, against the Jazz, and they turned the board back on uh, from – which apparently had all the stats from last year's last game, and you saw, mm. you know, Ja had 30. Uh Christian Wood had twenty six mm-hmm. and twelve, but you looked up in Camridge Williams, and in this game where all of these other guys, these backups, these reserves are shining, Kenridge had like, I think it was like eight, seven, and six or something. It was like yeah. a, it was a very Kenridge night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that we're even talking about lineups and we're not even—he's—he's
1: he's the twelfth guy right now. I, I just—it's tough. Sure. Here's another thing too that I've thought about a lot, especially the last few days. So you start preseason and you say. We have 13, 14 guys that we need to go through as a coaching staff. We need to figure out how to pair that down to 10. By a game, by the fourth game, go, by, definitely after the fifth game, you think that there's going to be guys that have separated themselves. There's going to be some guys that have been disappointing. And I think one of the things that, that Alvin Gentry mentioned, uh, for it, forget which game it was, he said, you know, usually these things work itself out, so I'm not concerned about it. But to usually. me, <laughs> what makes it even more challenging is that I know the wins and losses isn't a huge factor in preseason, but – they're four and zero, and as as an example of just how well things have have gone. I mean, to me, it's even tougher than than. This sounds crazy, but I think it's even more difficult now than it was at the beginning because you thought that things would shake themselves they, out. They they have not
2: <laughs> sh- shaken things. Yeah, it, it's you look at it, and of of those guys that we mentioned, the only one who's really having, I guess, what you could consider a bad preseason is maybe JJ Reddick, mm-hmm. who just. I mean, he's going into what seems like his 23rd year <laughs> in the league. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I can have a bad like, yeah, I think Alvin even said it like, all right, JJ's going to be fine. Like I'm yeah, not, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about JJ not right, making right. shots in the preseason. It's, it's JJ Redick. Cool. Outside of that, everybody's having great. I mean, Josh Hart has been kind of on off. He said really like a, a couple really good ones. One, not so good one. Yeah, it, it, it's just really hard to try to pare it down. And like I said, I'm, I'm glad Alvin Gentry is being paid to do it, and yeah. not me. I don't. I. Th- I. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I think
1: one quick thing I'll say too. It reminds me. I'm. I don't know if you remember this. A few years ago, um, Ryan Anderson started preseason where he was like two for twelve on yeah. three pointers in his first two games, and he looked at all of us and he was like, because he had answered two or three questions in a row about why are you shooting poorly. And he's like, look, guys. In December, nobody's going to know or care that <laughs> yeah. I was two for 12 in the first two preseason games. So I feel that way about J.J. Yeah, Reddick and, and Derek Favors the same way. It, yeah. I don't know how much it really matters what they do in preseason. Especially
2: with, with Favors, kind of dealing with the, the hamstrings, yeah. so kind of getting back to being himself. I mm-hmm. mean, sure. He was held out of the scrimmage. He played, you know, like eight minutes in that first preseason. So, right. I, I mean, I'm not worried. The veterans, I'm not worried about. Mm-hmm. You know, now if the veterans are playing bad three, four, five weeks into the season, then you can start to okay something's wrong. But yeah, they they know how to handle themselves in preseason games, especially when you've been in the league ten years, ten mm-hmm. years plus. They know how to handle themselves in preseason. I'm not I'm not too worried about those guys. That
1: happened to Paul Millsap last year. Everybody in the first yep. in preseason in the first maybe two or three games was like, "Is Paul M- Millsap Is done? done? Is he done? Up? Is yeah?" And, and, he ended up being like the second most important yeah. player at times in the playoffs for them. He did what Paul Millsaps does. Right. Well, as we're talking about
0: don't take preseason too seriously, let's talk about Friday's game against the New York <laughs> Knicks. The last game, Pelicans are 4-0. And we might see this as a sort of dress rehearsal for opening night. Again, who knows? Because I don't think Alvin knows. I don't think, yeah, point. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think Alvin knows yet. <laughs> but when you're watching this ball game, Andrew, and the fans are going to be watching it, what do, we, what do we try to find out? in this last preseason game whether it is rotations whether it's a certain player whether it's offense or defense is there anything that you're like all right this is one more shot to kind of see if how this is going to go
2: i think every game so far you want to look at zion's growth on the defensive end um you obviously know what he can do offensively he's averaging what 23 points a game shooting 71.4 percent which is just just absurd (laughs) um and even if you, I mean, I, th- I think
1: it's like eighty something in the last three games. It's whatever it is. It's just absolutely absurd. And he's playing twenty-seven minutes a game. It's not like he's playing thirty-five right. minutes to put up the points that he's. And put you know, up.
2: We, I mean, you usually think about those kind of field goal percentages. You think of like Tyson Chandler, Clinton Capella, mm-hmm. yep. DeAndre Jordan,
1: all dunks and layups. All, yeah. now but, he has a lot of dunks and
2: layups, but he's he's still shooting threes. He's yep. still doing. He's he's not dunking it per se every time. He's still having to finish. There's been at least four layups that Zion has had this year where the, he puts spin on it as yeah. he's fallen to the ground. Yeah. And I was like, this, all right, this is – no. What, how did that ball go in? Like, yeah. I don't – it's just a lot around the rim. And but, they're
0: contested, too.
2: Yeah, and, so, and he's
1: bringing out crossover dribbles on guys, oh, too. Oh, yeah,
2: well, was that was just filthy when he just yeah. beat that guy to the rim the other day. But uh, we know what he could do on that side. We know the potential he has on that side. I, you still want to look at defensively where he is. He's still 19. He's still adjusting to new principles on the defensive end. Um, I, you kind of want to see the growth on that side for the team as a whole. Um, Gentry mentioned, you know, it's a whole new offensive system. Well, it's, I mean a whole new defensive system, but it's also a whole new defensive system with a whole new bunch of pieces. You're only looking at really drew and Ja and Frank of guys who really played in the system last year. Etwan as well of, of guys that are truly coming over from last year. Everybody else is trying to learn everybody else. Defense is going to take a little bit of time. Um, best is, I think is, is an excellent coach on that side he'll he'll get that squared away so you still want to see defensive growth um, when you do score 120 a game when you do have a pace that is going to be hopefully for for, for Gentric tops in the NBA Defense is not – you're not going to have those 95 games. I think that, that Griff quote – I mean, I think you mentioned it the other day, mm-hmm. the first to 95 wins. Huh. I, I think we're getting first to 95 in the third quarter. Obviously, <laughs> I don't think they, wanna, they want to – they don't want to see the other team have 115, 120 every night. They sure. don't want to have to continuously come back from behind double digits uh, like they have in these last three games. But you're going to see, I believe, uh, more growth on that side. That's kind of outside of the guard rotation, which – who knows what happens there? That's, I think, the, the place that I want to see growth the most is on the defensive side.
0: All right. Should be interesting to see how this last one plays out. And then next Tuesday, here we go, first regular season game at Toronto. The defending champs. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Should be a fun one. Andrew Lopez, ESPN NBA reporter, covers your New Orleans Ooh. Pelicans as well. Giving me chills, Ooh. I know. It's really cool to also say, you know, we've been rooting for Andrew um, this whole time. So we're really glad, Andrew, that you are. Game this covers this team from a national that. standpoint. I do appreciate that. Really awesome. All right, Andrew Lopez, how can folks follow you on Twitter if they don't already?
2: Underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. I got in the Twitter game very late. Uh, I apologize for having the underscore. <laughs> Are we going <laughs> to throw-
1: all the Andrew Lopez's had already taken over? It was, uh, so, uh, all right, we got. Uh, we got time. It's we a got podcast. time. Okay, so I started
2: off on Twitter. I, I was I was teaching uh, at the time, and I was still like stringing for the uh, dot and initially, I was my handle was A Lopez Nola, mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted everybody to have Nola in their their tags. Cool. A year or two into this, they're like, Hey, remember what we said? Do that. Nobody do that anymore. So by like 2013, it was you had to find a new name. Well, mm. Twitter picked up a lot of steam since mm-hmm. then. <laughs> right. So by the time I started to go back to trying to find Andrew Lopez's, I was I was a little bit behind the. Behind the curve there, so I I I wanted to go Andrew underscore Lopez. Uh, Somebody had that, so I just uh, stuck another one in front. Um, I didn't want to have, like, numbers or shorten my name or do anything (laughs) like that. So, uh, this was early on when, you know, I had, like, 400 followers. I wanted to be easy to find for for high school kids, so the, the double underscore got in there, but...
1: Daniel and I don't have that problem of having many other people that have the same. Yeah, I think if, if maybe if Twitter was huge in Germany, I might have yeah, that problem. Maybe, yeah, but maybe, but maybe, even maybe then, maybe there's so. not too many Jameses over there either. So
0: If we have to find another Daniel Sowersen, I want to find him. So maybe <laughs> I'm going to have to search that and see if they're <laughs> yeah, probably we'll, related to some, some yeah, way. We'll, 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 just,
1: we'll figure that
2: out. So yeah, but I, I got in the game late. Sorry, guys. You should still type in Andrew Lopez. I,
0: I will probably be there. Any thoughts of adding ESPN to the end of that? I, okay, so I did...
2: Um, and actually, actually, when I went to Bristol for orientation, they tell employees don't do not put ESPN okay. in mm-hmm. front. Um, but that's a lot of like behind the scenes guys. Like, like unless you're explicitly told that, and then we, we were telling my boss this story, and she's like, "No, no, no, you're explicitly told that you can have it in your your profile or mm-hmm. whatever." But because if you're verified on Twitter with a certain name, if you change your your name, you lose your per- you lose your verification. So if I were to change it to Andrew Lopez, ESPN, or A. Lopez, ESPN, or whatever have you, uh, I lose my verification.
0: So and then all the fake Not Andrew Lopez's it. will be all tweeting. The,
2: all the all the bots that are following me are go, will, will go away, and I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be at like eight thousand followers or something. <laughs> I think I think I'd lose like half of them. But uh, <laughs> no, was, I, I did think about it, but then I was like, mm, I'll just put it in the profile. That blue check says it oh, all. I love, I love I love that check. It's a I great check do. It's amazing. It's a great feeling go. when you get the check. I uh, I remember that day. It was a good feeling. I like the check. <laughs>
0: Because then unless you do something really bad, you're never losing it, right? Is that, is that I how think it that's good? how it works. Okay. Don't do anything stupid. You keep it. Fair enough. Works for me. Andrew Lopez, ESPN NBA writer and Pelicans writer as well. Andrew, appreciate the time, my friend. No problem. Thanks. All right. Good stuff there from Andrew Lopez. Scheduled to appear on Wednesday's podcast is Stephanie Reddy. You may remember her from her days with the Charlotte Hornets on their television broadcast. Now she's a part of the Turner family doing a lot of NBA on TNT virtual reality broadcasts. Also the host of The Bounce. She'll join us as the Pelicans will play the Knicks on TNT on Friday. Glad you can join us as this podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS, all one word, all caps, at checkout. SeatGeek, let's go. And let's get on out of here for this Monday. Again, Wednesday, Stephanie Reddy will join us. The Pelicans will be practicing, so you can log on to Pelicans.com for a full practice report. And then Thursday, the team is off to New York. They'll take on the Knicks for the last preseason game on Friday night. For Jim offer and Andrew Lopez, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.